exclusive and online podcast. My name is Dan. I'm Kate. And I'm Kayla. And together we're hosts for the inclusive and online podcast. On this month's episode, we're going to take a look back at what we've talked about over the past year, reflect on what we've learned, and each of us will share one of our favorite clips from this past season and what's become a December tradition and will be moving forward is we like to look back and see what we've learned. So we've uh, drawn names out of a hat. We know who's going in which order. Kate, you're the you're the lucky winner this year, and uh, we'd like you to share your clip and tell us a little bit about uh, what that means for you. So when you're ready, it's all yours. Thanks for the wonderful introduction, Dan. Um, I, I like that we do these episodes because I think it does give us an opportunity to reflect and and look back at what we've learned and just really get a kind of sense of the different topics that we've covered. Um, and, you know, I know for me, looking back at this year, we've covered such a breadth of of topics and talked to just a really diverse and interesting group of people. And it's been a, honestly a great year for our podcast, I think. Um and so the clip that I chose was actually from our What Does Your Syllabus Say About You episode, uh, where we were talking um, with Dr. Alicia Magruder about um, building an inclusive syllabus and creating that kind of, of sense of place, even in an online class. And the the clip that I chose here today is talking about... Um, you know, relating to that that sense of place, that inclusive syllabus, but um, talking about including resources that students might not even know that they have and and how to really communicate that to students in an approachable way. So I'll go ahead and play the clip for you all now. That um, a phrase that I've seen used, which I really love, is it's never too late to request accommodations. Our bodies and circumstances are continuously changing. And that to me was like a really powerful statement um, because it like Dan, you're talking about a little bit earlier, we don't know what a student might end up going through. I think COVID taught us a lot about that. Um, situations, circumstances changed for students a lot. We don't, and we can't make those presumptions, but even beyond a, a global pandemic, you know, we we just don't know what a student is experiencing and to provide them that flexibility and that, um, that ability to be who they are authentically is really important, I think. Um, so that's, that's a little bit about how I think it's, we can be mindful when we're creating our syllabus. Uh yeah, and I, I think that that clip really kind of highlights what setting the tone for a course can do and, you know, really putting the students and who they are kind of at the forefront, even just going into your course initially. And, you know, one of the takeaways for me from that episode in general is really that we can have that sense of presence, that availability to our students, no matter what setting that we're teaching in or engaging in academically. No, that's a great point, Kate. I mean, you mentioned, you know, setting the tone for your class and we talk about how that is an important uh, thing and, you know, certainly including, you know, a more open, welcoming, inclusive tone in a syllabus is something that's resonated with me for a little while. And it's something I just keep chipping away at uh, bit by bit where at first, you know, maybe I, I drew out more things with the uh, disability support services office. And then that's transitioned into what other resources are out there for, for mental well-being and, and looking at the whole person. 
and making this interaction more about how do I develop the person rather than give them information. Uh, for me, you know, developing the person with the critical thinking skills is more important. The information is important as well. I don't want you to be misinformed or badly informed. However, I think, you know, looking at something like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you need that psychological safety. You need to feel comfortable before you can really move on to deeper learning. So I'm glad you pointed this one out. It's, it is certainly interesting. And I, I think one of the things that I really liked about that episode overall is that we had some really great conversations about some high level things, but the episode is filled with practical advice. Like there's there's so much in there that you can take away and even just implement right now to create a more inclusive environment. And I, I think that that's one of the main reasons I kind of wanted to go back and highlight that episode for, for people is because, you know, you can you can go in there and you can learn, but you also can come out of it with something really practical and easy to do right away. I know I touched on this like during the episode, but I think this episode was really important as well because um, I don't think instructors realize the importance of the language they use in their syllabi and it really does shape the way students view the class and it completely changed my mindset like going into different classes. So I think just applying those practical changes at any point like would be helpful for like students moving forward. I can toss it back to you, Dan, for our next clip. You can, and uh, we will. Uh, the clip I chose was from earlier in the season when we met with Brian Petty, who at that time was a student in a course I was teaching. Um, he was starting a nonprofit foundation and just looking at identifying with you know two or more cultures. Uh, Quite frankly, it hadn't occurred to me that, uh, you know, that was something, you know, coming from, you know, predominantly, uh, you know, white background and having some Native American heritage, actually probably more than I realize, uh, being that I come from an area where it's, uh, you know, the Eastern Upper Peninsula has a lot of, it's a lot of white people. It is a lot of Native American and those cultures, you know, they kind of bump heads at times. And to me, that was just you know, growing up, but, uh, Hearing it from somebody who has, um, you know, maybe not white culture or dominant culture, two cultures coming together and how that fleshed out. I think it was an interesting, you know, point in my journey and my growth to really uh, have a better understanding of what that looks like day to day for someone throughout their life and how they got to where they're at now. So uh, let me play my clip from what Brian had to say. Well, it is so nice to meet you, Brian. Well, we're just going to jump right into the questions. Um, what was it like growing up in a household with two different cultures? Yeah, Kayla, as I mentioned, um, growing up, I had a black father and a Korean mother. And so my mom immigrated here a little over 30 years now. And so growing up, it felt very, I didn't know anything different. I almost thought everyone grew up in a multiracial family. But then I realized and slowly learned, learned over time that that is not true at all, um, and that everyone doesn't have the same experiences as I do. And that's okay as well. Um, I think there was moments of confusion, but also moments of like, oh, this is normal. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't normal, it was pretty different. Um, and thankfully, and in a beautiful way, it's becoming a little bit more normal or more common. It's a question, it's more of the better response. It's becoming more common of having multiracial families inside the families. And so growing up in the household, 
there was a tension that I always had of, you know, outside of my house, I felt a one way to pursue this American lifestyle, American culture, and trying my best to fit in. But then within the household, within my family, um, there was a huge emphasis on the Asian culture, um, with my mom being mostly a stay-at-home mom for the majority of my life, where she put a lot of that Asian and Korean culture inside of us, um, of the way that we ate food, the way that we had to do our homework, the way that we were limited on TV and video games. It was a very Asian culture setting. and so growing up, that was very interesting because I felt like I was living this double life. And honestly, for my entire life, I always have felt this double life that I have to always be more than one Brian, that I have to be a Black Brian or an Asian Brian or American Brian, and I can't just be Brian. And I think now I'm learning how to use that all into one Brian. So that's my clip on Brian. And, you know, I kind of you know, doubled up on what he was saying in my setup of that, but I think that's a critical you know, part of my, uh, of my learning too, on this subject. So I, I've learned uh, a decent amount about intersectionality and have a, a sense of the different identities that I have and just being able to apply that culturally in a different context was important uh, for me to, to have that interaction. Yeah. I honestly, I loved talking to Brian, you know, he was wonderful as a guest just because he's so willing to be open about his experiences and how that's impacted him. And I I really think anybody could kind of learn from his experiences and just kind of widen their perception of what it's like to be multiracial, what it's like to have those multiple cultures growing up. And, you know, obviously one person's story isn't going to match anybody else's story, but just hearing some of those personal experiences that we don't always get exposure to can be invaluable. I have to agree with Kate. Um, You know, growing up in like a white household, it was very like eye-opening to hear that like Brian um, goes home to like, you know, Asian culture, but, you know, lives in like our society right now and has to like identify and like assimilate almost. Um, But I found that really interesting and I really enjoyed having Brian on the podcast. Yeah, he was a genuinely you know, nice person trying to do good work out there. And you know, the times he's talking about, uh, those are confusing times for anybody, you know, growing up and just, you know, growing into your emotional intelligence, into your physical body and all the different conflicting things that can come at you, you know, with that as well on, on top of this. So, um, you know, cheers to him for, you know, putting a good foot forward and continuing to do some work and, you know, hopefully having great impact on many people, especially younger people coming up who may share those feelings and share those experiences. And, you know, for me, that's a big part. Uh, That's the biggest reward that I get from doing the podcast with you guys is that we get to help share people share their stories. uh, And hopefully, you know, people can learn from that as well. Speaking of sharing stories, Kayla, I understand that you have a something you'd like to share with us now too. Yes, I do. So um, the episode I chose to um, highlight in this Reflections episode is our sixth episode of the season, Juneteenth, which we had a guest, um, Angie Freeman, um, just discussed the importance of Juneteenth in higher education. And I will share that clip with you guys now. You know, like professors can also include in their class schedule maybe even, um, you know, consider giving students the day off or letting them out early that day or, 
you know, just putting it like if we put the holidays, because you know, I, I was an instructor also, and so like we put the holidays in the the schedule and say, okay, no classes day or whatever. But if you don't want to give the day off, just at least acknowledge it and put it in there, and um, you know, maybe even have like a blurb about it or something. Or hey, did you know what Juneteenth is? Aha! If you don't look down here, and I'll give you some more information. So. Um, so that could be one thing. And then like encouraging students to attend a Juneteenth event on campus. Did you guys get that? I don't know why I've had this issue with Zoom in the past, but it like kept flashing and stuff. I like, I thought I fixed it a while back, but I don't know. I'm having it like an issue now. We heard it all, but okay. it was flashing on our screens. Okay. Well, I'm glad you heard it. Okay. I can go back to talking about it, but that was, I was stressed. I was like, uh. I don't know if it's working. Hold the talk until I uh, get down to one, though, just so okay. I know for the purposes. Yeah. So, yeah, I wanted to share this clip because um, through my summer courses, I have never seen anything or had anything mentioned about Juneteenth. And it really kind of opened my eyes to instructors, including holidays like Juneteenth in syllabi and course material, and just at least acknowledging it, I think, would really help students be more informed about different holidays that that are, like, not typically, like, in that area are just, you know, the standard, like, American, like, Christmas, um, Easter, you know, everything like that. I think that that discussing other holidays from different cultures would be helpful, you know, informing students and then also making, um, you know, all students feel included. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Kayla, because I, I remember back when we were planning for this episode, I think all three of us were kind of on the same page. We we were aware of the holiday, but we didn't know a whole lot about it. And so I think that awareness piece is key and is something that instructors can do, you know, in a practical way to just kind of like include something so that more people are aware and think, hey, maybe I should learn more about this. Yeah, It certainly uh, raised my awareness of it. I don't typically teach much in the first half of summer, but it's certainly something I'll, you know, take into consideration moving forward. That said... I can be more mindful of other holidays that are happening during the times when I am teaching. Uh, you know, that's a, a little more work on my side of things, but also putting the opportunity out there for students to let me know ahead of time. Hey, if, if you've got a holiday coming up, something that you celebrate that maybe isn't on the university's calendar, let me know at least a couple of weeks in advance or, you know, as upfront as you can um, just to lend a hand. Not to say no. It's like, okay, well then what, you know, how can we work, work this in? Um, I think where you may find more rigidity is faculty who may be like, there's a quiz this day, or there's an exam this day. Well, maybe don't plan it for that day. Let's look for, you know, something else here too. But it would be nice to see more support coming out for faculty and in different ways to approach this in a constructive way that doesn't disrupt your course and everybody's learning, but also is supportive of everybody's cultures, beliefs, and holidays as they're happening. Yeah, and I know that holidays are something that we've wanted to cover on the podcast, and hopefully we'll still be able to, um, you know, find an opportunity to do so. But there are so many different cultural holidays that, you know, generally aren't acknowledged on a university's academic calendar. And, you know, I think that there are ways to, like you said, Dan, make this more explicit that we recognize, yes, there are all of these different holidays, whether they're cultural, whether they're something like Juneteenth, you know, 
there's a lot of context coming into play. And there might be things that we don't even recognize that our students are observing, um, but that are very, very important to them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, hopefully through more awareness, heightened awareness and some understanding, um, you know, faculty and students can find a way to make this work. Now, I understand, you know, from a faculty perspective and from a student perspective, there may be some who try to game the system. And, and that's not what we're talking about here. It's, you know, that's not the issue that we're trying to solve. You know, we're not, we're really just trying to help offer suggestions on ways that people could approach this in a practical way. So hopefully people pulled some of that from from that particular episode as well. Now, my question to both of you, do either of you have any lingering thoughts that you would like to share with uh, the listeners or with each other before we put a wrap on season two? I wanted to talk about how much I've enjoyed being a co-host this season, and I'm just excited for the future of Inclusive and Online, and I have just really enjoyed doing this project with both of you. And we've enjoyed having you. Congratulations on one full year as a host. Thank you. You made it. Great work, Kayla. Thanks, Jim. You've done pretty good, too. I'll, I'll say that. I hope. Thank you. <laughs> I think we've all done a great job. And I I really, you know, honestly, Kayla, it's been great having you on board for the season. I think we've really been able to learn a lot from your perspectives as well. Um, you know, Dan and I obviously had quite a few episodes before you joined us. And I, I really think having you on board uh, kind of rounded out the team. So it's been a really great season for for that reason and i also think that like i said in the beginning we've really covered a kind of breadth of topics this season and i i like the growth that i've seen in our podcast and how we've been able to branch out in ways where we're covering topics that we maybe wouldn't have even thought of in the past but are still relevant are still important to the community that we're trying to reach through this podcast. Great points from both of you. This is, uh, you know, definitely been a learning experience for me. It always is every month. I'm learning a little bit new here and there. Uh, it's been fun watching both of you grow into this role and the, you know, the confidence in your speaking and the contributions that you've made you know, to the show. I can't express my appreciation for that enough. So, Thank you all for being a part of this. I'd like to thank our listeners. Please share you know, the podcast out. Share your comments and feedback back with us as well. And uh, I think that we have a, an official, official wrap that we can get to now at this point, don't we, Kate? Yes, we'd like to thank ourselves for joining us today. Yeah, if yes. you if you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. We value your feedback and your ratings and reviews will help others discover our show. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Inclusive Online Pod and our Facebook page, Inclusive and Online. If you'd like to get in touch with us with your ideas, feedback, or request to collaborate, you can send us an email at inclusiveonlinepod at gmail.com. We'll be back next month with our next episode. And until then, we hope you feel included.